0: everyone, and welcome back to Grounded with Pastor Matt Round. This is episode 21, and over the course of the next couple or few episodes, we are going to be covering the topic of what is predestination. Is it real? Is it biblical? And why is it so controversial? Uh, in this episode, we are going to be kind of starting with an introduction to that. Um, here to give us an answer is Pastor Matt Round. Hi, Pastor Matt.
1: Hey, Noah. So this is a huge topic. It's a very highly debated topic. And so it's not something we can cover in one podcast. It's not really something we can cover exhaustively even in a few podcasts, but we're going to get a start at it at least today. And uh, we'll see whether that takes two episodes or three episodes or whether at some point we just have to cut this off because we could do the rest of our podcasts about this. There's lots and lots written and talked about. So uh, what is predestination kind of to begin with? Predestination deals with God's knowledge and will as it relates to salvation specifically. So like I said, there's a lot of different understandings and interpretations of that principle, and it almost always brings out uh, discussion and debate Um sometimes just plain fighting among believers. So when we look at this, and when we look at really any contentious topic, we have to make sure that our foundation is set and it's in the right place. Uh, Especially when there's emotion and passion involved in an argument, it can get really easy to lose our sense of where truth kind of comes from. Uh, Because when we get involved in discussions like these, uh, the loudest voice sometimes comes across like it's the most authoritative. And uh, the last one, shouting, usually means that they won the argument. but as believers, we're called to something different. Uh, We're called to discuss and disagree differently. And so we have to come up with something that serves as the standard, something that is the final word. And of course, as believers, that's the word of God. Um, Our final authority is the Bible, uh, carefully studied, rightly interpreted. So, not just the Bible as an appeal to a particular verse. We can't take verses and kind of rip them out of context and make them say whatever we want to say. Um, We can't base our understanding on what we want a passage to say. We have to form our foundation based on what God's Word says, what its intent was, what the context is, and how uh, arguments develop really over all of Scripture. Um, Also, at the end of the day, uh, we can't base our understanding on things like experience or feelings or preferences. All of those things tend to cloud the issue. Um, what we want to be true, what we've heard to be true, uh, it can be really tempting to appeal to those things, again, instead of to an outside authority like God's Word. And when believers discuss these things, we have to be very careful that we're talking about the same things that so we're using, uh, the words that we're using to describe what everybody understands we're describing. It can be easy to use similar language to mean different things. and. We also have to understand that we're not always going to agree, that that believers won't agree on every point of doctrine, um, even when we do appeal back to the same authority. But it should change how we disagree. Because we know that we're not the final authority, it should remind us that we are dealing with a God who is... Infinite and above and beyond all that we could think or imagine. Um, His ways are higher than our ways. And we can know God truly. We can know true things about God. Um, We can know God sufficiently. He has given us everything we need to know about Him for life and godliness, but we can't know and express God fully. So there's an element to coming to theological discussions and debate that should drive us to a place of humility. It doesn't usually. Uh, In our flesh, we kind of want to be right, and that's the end of the story. But when we're talking about the things of God, really all of this should bring us back to a place of worship. Um, So if your view of predestination doesn't lead to worship, then you're starting off on the wrong foot anyway. Um, It reminds us that we're dealing with a holy, powerful, omnipotent God who demands and deserves all of our worship. And then it reminds us that we're dealing largely again, especially when it comes to things like predestination with other believers, with people who genuinely want to follow after God. Now, uh, there, are, there are wrong answers to theological questions. Sincerely held beliefs don't make them true. Um, not every theological position has equal merit, but especially when we're encountering other believers. We need to keep in mind that we are dealing with people who are following after the same God, who are striving with the help of the same spirit to understand these things. And so that should really kind of temper and guide our discussions in general. Now, when it comes to talking about predestination specifically, it can be a little bit confusing because there are lots of theological terms that kind of overlap and come into play. And if we're not careful, we can start talking about similar things using different language or thinking we're talking about the same thing while using very different words. And we need to understand that things are related, but not necessarily the same. Uh, There are words like election, and election involves the idea of a choice. When it comes to theology, uh, election talks about God choosing a people for salvation. And there's lots of nuances and specific discussions that go along with that. Um, But we need to be able to see things like election and predestination certainly overlap, but they're not synonymous terms. They don't mean exactly the same thing. Um, And beyond terms like election, uh, you have foreknowledge, foreknowledge talking about the idea that an all-knowing God knows what is going to happen before it does. Does that relate to predestination? It absolutely does. But again, it's not a one-for-one overlap. So we can't use these terms and think that they can just kind of slide in for each other. And when we start to bring in these other terms foreknowledge and election it actually starts to move us toward thinking about other attributes of god Uh, things like omniscience the idea that uh, god knows all things and omnipotence the idea that god has power all power to do whatever he wants and so uh, we start to get into pretty quickly, not just a discussion on something like predestination as a standalone term, but we start to bring in other terms and other attributes and other aspects of how we talk about, how we think about, how we describe God. Um, So it's important for us, especially in these things, to communicate clearly with what we're talking about. So what is predestination itself? Uh, Very simply put, predestination is the idea that God predetermines who will be saved. So when we're talking about predestination, we're not just talking about God's knowledge in general. We're talking about it specifically with relation to who will be saved and the will that moves them towards salvation, not just the object of salvation, but how they attain salvation. And that's important. And when we put it that way, it's very easy to see why it's so contentious. Uh, We have an understanding, or at least kind of a cultural assumption here in the West, that we are very free, autonomous, self-determining people. When someone says that something is determined for us, we don't like that. It infringes on our sense of independence and freedom. So we need to understand that at least uh, a part of our culture, and particularly even a part of our flesh, uh, finds the idea of predestination potentially very offensive. It doesn't make it true or false. It's just something that we have to recognize plays into this whole thing. Um, And and if we don't talk about things like that, then we're not really being honest with the discussion at, at its heart. So if predestination determines the idea, or if predestination talks about God determining who will inherit salvation, then before we go and look at specific verses that deal with predestination itself, uh, that use that particular word, we have to think about the foundation idea of this. Uh, What is God like? What is he able to do? What do we see him do in his word? As believers, we say that God is all-powerful and we don't really have a problem believing that God is all-powerful until I want him to do something for me that he doesn't do, right? Then I start to wonder if he's actually able to do those things. We say that God is all-knowing and we don't really have a problem with God believing or being all-knowing until it comes to him not just knowing facts about me, but knowing things like my thoughts and the intentions of my heart. Well, we say that God is sovereign, and again, we don't really have a problem with God being sovereign until it means that he sovereignly decides that I should do something difficult, maybe even something that'll bring me pain. Uh, So we have to ask this question biblically. When it comes to predestination, we're talking about not only salvation, but determination in salvation. We have to ask the broad question, does God determine things? Not even salvation at first, but does God determine what things will happen before they do without any input from any person or people involved in the situation? Does God do that? Well, he absolutely does. We see that all through scripture. It's kind of the foundation of our understanding of prophecy. God tells us what is going to happen, and then he moves circumstances and situations in a way uh, so that what exactly what he said would happen actually comes to pass. Hundreds of examples we could go through. Genesis 15:13, God told Abraham that his descendants would be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. And this is before his children or grandchildren are even born. It's before a famine that drives the people into Egypt. It's before Joseph is put second in command over Egypt. It's before he's reconciled to his brothers. It's before a single person in that family that would go down into Egypt is even alive. God tells Abraham, this is going to happen to your people for this particular period of time. And we find that God absolutely moves circumstances. So that's exactly what happened. And again, we see that with literally hundreds of prophecies throughout God's word. That's why God says in Isaiah 46 verses 8 through 10, Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you wrongdoers. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done saying, my plan will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So God actually tells us himself uh, that he absolutely determines things, that he has a plan and that his plan will be accomplished. So does God predetermine events? The answer is clearly, biblically, absolutely yes. But what about when it comes to salvation? Because it's one thing for God to determine historical events, to determine things like rain or droughts or wars and the rise and fall of nations. But what about when it comes to matters of the heart and faith? Um, Does God determine things of that kind? And once again, I think biblically, we see that he does. Before there was sin, there was a savior. First Peter chapter one, verse 18, or starting in verse 18 says, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he has appeared in these last times for your sake. And the context of those verses makes it clear that salvation in Christ was determined before the world was created. So it's not just the reality of a savior, uh, but a group of people who would find salvation through that savior. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 talks about God choosing us before the foundations of the world so that we might be holy and blameless before him. In other words, before the world is formed and filled in Genesis chapter 1, a choice had already been made. Before Adam kind of breathes his first breath out of the dust, uh, before a single believer has been born, God has made a choice is what Paul says pretty clearly though. And so we have to understand that God has the authority and the ability and the will to change people's hearts. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he pleases. God can and will turn the hearts even of kings. And why use kings? Well, because they're an example of a powerful, independent person. The king, the idea is kings do what they want to do. And yet the author of that proverb says that God can turn even the heart of a king. Even someone who is absolutely independent in their decision making, God can turn the heart of that person. And we read in Exodus, the the account of Pharaoh over the Exodus and God turning and hardening Pharaoh's heart. We read in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and other places about God softening and renewing and turning the hearts of his people. So does God determine things according to salvation? Yes. Does God have the ability and the authority and the will and the history of turning people's hearts? And the answer is yes. So why go through all of that? Well, because before we work through something really contentious or potentially contentious like predestination, we have to get our foundational ideas straight. First of all, uh, we have to be grounded on the idea that the Bible is our ultimate authority. The Bible uses words like election and foreknowledge and predestination. So we can and we should interact with those words. We have to develop and understand the truths behind there, but we have to do it in a way that submits to the authority of God's word and that acts out of love for those that we're interacting with. Second, God has complete control over every aspect of his creation. Sovereignty, wisdom, foreknowledge, absolute knowledge, these aren't just little kind of pieces of who God is that we kind of brush off and bring out when they're convenient. They're part of how we understand the perfection and the power of God. And he's made it clear that nothing happens by accident, that he accomplishes his will in everything. And third, we see that that will that God exercises um, however he sees fit to extend it also extends to the area of salvation and the intentions of the human heart. Uh, God's not caught off guard by sin. Jesus Christ and his death on the cross aren't an afterthought. They're not a plan B after the fall of Adam. Uh, Christ set as the savior was in place before sin was a reality. And God has the right and the will and the ability to move in the human heart. So with all that said, I think next time what we'll do is we'll put those things together. And we'll start to build on that foundation as we move through specific passages that talk about predestination.
0: Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. Um, as he said, next week, we are going to be going deeper in putting all of those puzzle pieces together and start building upon this foundation. If you have any questions of your own, please send us an email at groundedwithmattround at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate all the questions we've been receiving, and we hope you continue to blessing us with those. Um, and thank you very much for listening in and we'll see you next week.